you want to follow along, um, it's available on our website. So Christians.tamu.com. Go to events, uh, solid ground, and then you can pick the second one. And then the verses are there. So, and it's, it's critical that you do that because I won't go through all the verses. And I may just refer to some of the verses. So if you want to get the full uh, context of, of what's going to be presented, it's good to have the verses with you. And uh, so, but before we get into Psalm 84, I wanted to mention uh, last week's message a little bit. We got into the common faith. Uh, and you, as we repeat this every semester, right, that every semester we get into this message, the common faith. Uh, and it's, it's, the reason we do that is because, you know, even on this campus alone, there's very many Christian organizations, right? And praise the Lord for that. And there's many Christian works, and there's many Christian ministries, and sometimes it's just like an ocean of Christianity, and that's wonderful, right? It's better uh, to be in, in an ocean of that than in the desert with nothing, with no supplies. Um, but even in the midst of all of uh, these wonderful groups, we like to present the common faith at the beginning of every uh, not every semester, every school year, because, you know, whatever we share on Sunday nights, at the, at the very end of it all, we always like to emphasize not what makes us different, okay, but what makes us one. And oneness is, is one of our motivating factors. Oneness, I don't have time to get into it, but it's, you know, it's an attribute of God. So it's something we should care about. And the common faith helps us maintain the oneness, right? So anyway, I just wanted to mention that a little bit. And secondly, uh, I wanted to introduce our theme, Finding Christ in the Psalms, which, you know, we're continuing that from last semester. But maybe some of you weren't here for, I think it was the second or third message where we present a little bit of our kind of the, uh, the basis or the uh, means of our interpretation and why we study the Bible the way we study. So I have a, a little bit of a slideshow. Don't worry, it's not going to be a full 20 slides or anything like that. It's going to be very short. Uh, but how about we all read this verse? This is Luke 24, 44. Okay. And he said to them, these are my words, which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all the things written in the law of Moses and the prophets and Psalms concerning me must be fulfilled. So here we see from the Lord's own words that the Old Testament is concerning Christ. The law of Moses is concerning Christ. The prophets are definitely concerning Christ. There are things that talk about, you know, specifically the coming of Christ. But even the Psalms are about Christ. And I think if you've been to any of our messages, I think we've been able to find Christ in the Psalms, right? And I also wanted to show you another group of verses, uh, because we're not the first ones to do this. This is uh, from 1 Corinthians, but it shows us that Paul did the same thing. 
is Paul the Apostle, the guy that wrote 14 letters in the New Testament. He also found Christ in the Old Testament. So in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, he says this interesting phrase, our Passover, Christ. And for those of you that are not familiar with this, the Passover was a feast that the Old Testament uh, uh, that the Old Testament people of God were to keep, and it's based on the events that happened in Exodus, right? There was a Passover, there was a lamb, and when Paul came to that portion of the scripture, he realized that that Passover uh, feast wasn't just a practice, it wasn't just a holiday, but it was Christ himself. And then in 1 Corinthians 10, this one's crazy, but this is, refer- this is referencing the children of Israel when they were in Exodus, but uh, during the Exodus, while they were wandering in the wilderness, this rock, according to Paul, followed them. And this is how they were able to sustain themselves uh, with their drink. But he said, they drank of a spiritual rock which followed them. And the rock was Christ. Christ. Yeah. So Paul read Exodus and he saw Christ in there. So what we're doing with the Psalms is you know, really something that been done for thousands of years, even going back to uh, some of the writers of the New Testament. And that's finding Christ in the Word of God. But we're not just uh, identifying symbols that represent Christ. If you look at the context of these passages, Paul wasn't just identifying, oh, this object represents Christ because this, this, and this. No, he was identifying Christ in these symbols so that the believers could apply Christ today in that same way. In other words, the goal of our study is not just to find items that represent Christ. The goal of our study, you could say, is to elevate, to enhance, uh, to upgrade, I like the word upgrade our uh, experience and enjoyment of Christ. And I like the word upgrade because, uh, you know, I have an iPhone. Probably many of you have an iPhone. And in the last couple of weeks, we just received an upgrade. You're on the, auto, on the auto upgrade setting. And you know what the point of the upgrades are? You know, this is iOS 15 now. There's been at least 15 major upgrades. And, and the goal of that upgrade is to enhance your experience and enjoyment of your iPhone. Don't we all need an upgrade in our experience and enjoyment of Christ? Yes. That's why we're here. That's the goal of the, of, of the uh, of this ministry series of finding Christ in the Psalms. Is not just to find cool things in, in the Psalms, but it's ultimately, to upgrade our experience and enjoyment of Christ. So, I think we can get into Psalm 84, and uh, I I think what we're going to do, I have Psalm 84 on here. It's really short. It's only 12 verses. So, I thought it would be really profitable if we could read this entire psalm. Um, so, what we're going to do is 
Look at that. No way. It's like, it's like the Lord knows everything, right? <laughs> so, uh, we can take turns starting with Graham, and we can snake our way back, Andrew, and then uh, I'll finish. And you don't have to read from, from here. If you have your own, you know, Bible, feel free to read from there. And uh, we'll just go one by one and go through this entire psalm. And when it's your turn to read, you know, don't just read with your vocal cords, okay? Uh, but read with your heart. Uh, read as if you were the psalmist, okay? Uh, I would even say, go deeper than your heart. Go into the innermost being. Like, your life depended on it. Uh, that doesn't mean you have to yell at the top of your lungs, but, you know, put feeling into it. And the rest of us uh, will support your reading by agreeing with you and saying amen. Okay, how does that sound? Amen. All right, Graham. Go for it. Amen. amen. Isn't that good to read the, the Bible together? Yes. There's a, actually, this is, this is thought to be a New Testament practice to just read the word publicly like we just did. Uh, comes from, I think, 1 Timothy 4. Don't remember the verse reference, but Paul charges Timothy to attend to the public reading. That's awesome. So it's good to read by yourself. I enjoy that every morning, reading a chapter or two. But there's a richness when we can come together, read the word out loud. Uh, we, we enliven each other that way. Okay, so back to Psalm 84. So if... if now that we read Psalm 84, you can see there's this feeling within the psalmist. I'm saying psalmist singular, but it could have been plural. Uh, it's hard to tell. Uh, but anyway, there's this longing in the psalmist. And it's a, it's a longing to dwell in God's house. That was verse... There was, I think he mentioned it somewhere. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. And this is a very strange thought because, uh, you know, God's house wasn't like, like a physical house, you know, the living room, a bedroom, and, you know, it's not somewhere where you would live. It was, at this time, the temple. You know, it was a place and to worship God and to serve God to make offerings to God, to minister to God, and for God to speak to man. And anyway, so many wonderful things happened here. So this shows us that what the psalmist longed for more than anything was to be in the place where he could have fellowship with God. Yes. And we'll, we'll get into this in a little bit, but there was... In the Old Testament, there was only one place where you could commune with God, and that was at the temple. So, you know, you, if you wanted to visit with God, you had to visit, and then go back to your house, right? The next day, you would have to visit. There's a story in 1 Samuel where Hannah would go at every feast of the temple, uh, pray, for, pray for a child, and you know, she'd go back home, and then again, she would pray. So to dwell in God's house 
is really to dwell in a place where you can have constant fellowship with God. Yeah. That's the kind of longing that the psalmist has. And this is a, this is a you could say, a, a figure, a type, a picture of our Christian experience where uh, this psalm presents that if we want to be those who enjoy God, who serve God, uh, if we want to be those that worship God, uh, if we want to be those that receive all of his blessings and his benefits, we need to be in his house. Oh, I wish I had more time because there's so many details about the house. But so having this thought, okay, we need to be in this. We need to be in his house. We need to be in the place where he dwells. Naturally, you should all be asking, okay, where does God dwell? Where does he reside? Where does he live? And this is this is important because. You know, if you want to spend time with me, you need to know where I live, right? Logan, you've been to my place. I think you picked up something in my place. So you know where I live now. So now you know that if you want to spend time with me, you you go to my place. Uh, Spencer, you've been to my place. So you also know where I live. So you know, like, all right, Carlos isn't answering his phone. You know where to to come. Graham, you haven't been to my place. Yeah, I haven't. Right, I know. So you don't know where I live. So the only way you can spend time with me is if you run into me at ADD or something. Or you run into me at the comments. And until then, there's, there's no way to spend time with me. But I'm saying this because, you know, this was my Christian life for a long time that my experiences with God were running into God. It was. It wasn't. Oh, I know where he is, and okay, now I can spend time with God. It was. Oh, cool! I went to this thing, and uh, God was there. God was real, and then I left, and no more God. <laughs> okay, have y'all had experiences like that? Yes. Yes. So one must ask. Okay, then I want to. You know, if I want to spend time with God, you know, He saved me. He loved me. Oh, God is awesome. I, I just want to be with him. Well, we need to know where he is, right? We, we need to know where he dwells. So, um, so I'm going to go through some verses. Again, all of, a lot of these verses are on your verse sheet. Uh, they're right there. So where does God dwell? So in the Old Testament, we have many, many verses telling us where God dwells. And he dwells of course, in the heavens. The verse up there that says he dwells in the heavens. And then a few verses later, it also says he dwells in the temple. And he's, he's omnipresent. So he, can, he can live in multiple places at the same time. No doubt about that. Um, of course, the Old Testament also tells us before the temple, his main place of residence was the tabernacle. Anyway, there's too many details to go into that, but eventually he settles in the temple. Now, that wasn't God's goal, though. Because then we come to the New Testament, uh, particularly in the Gospels. And we see that God has a new place of residence. Right? New Testament, new way, new place of residence. And in the New Testament, 
God no longer resides in a physical building. And this is a key point. God's house is not a physical building. You know, don't ever uh, fall into this thought, okay, I'm going to this building, there's a cross on it, therefore this is God's house. God's house is not a physical building. What the New Testament shows us is that God's house is a person. And that person is Christ. And that's how we see Christ in Psalm 84. Because to long to dwell in God's house is really to long to dwell in Christ. And in your verse sheet, you have several verses that tells us that uh, when, when, when Christ became flesh, John 1, 14, he dwelt among us. And that phrase could be translated, he tabernacled among us, he tented among us. He was God's tent. He was God's sanctuary, God's tabernacle. And then the next chapter of John, uh, 2, 19 and 21, again, it's all in your verse sheet. He refers to the temple that he was to raise up in three days. Not the physical temple, the physical building of the temple, but the temple of his body, yeah. indicating that in his body was the dwelling place of God. And these verses in Colossians show us clearly that, that Christ, as God's embodiment, was the fullness of the Godhead. And the fullness of the Godhead was pleased to dwell in him. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit all live in this person, Jesus Christ. Yes. So if you wanted to Right? Enjoy God, serve God, worship God. You would have to go not to the temple, but to Christ. And the Gospels are records of people that did that. People that came to him. People that followed him. Uh, the disciples, right? John, Peter, uh, Bartholomew, uh, Matthew, uh, Nathaniel, all of these guys. I can't remember all twelve. Who were they? They were ones that dwelt in God's house because they were with Christ. Okay. But we're not in that time period anymore. Right? We have to ask our we have to we have to ask ourselves, where does God dwell today? Checking my time. Okay. So today, firstly, he dwells in the believers. He dwells in you. If you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a dwelling place of God. And specifically, you know, again, we want to know God's address, right? We want to know exactly where He lives. But the New Testament tells us that that God, as the Spirit, resides in our spirit. Not just in us. Many verses that show he's in us. And not just in our heart. Also many verses that show he's in our heart. But also many, many verses that show us he's in the deepest part of our being, which is our spirit. One of those verses is 2 Timothy 4.22, which says, The Lord be with your spirit. 
So he's there with your spirit. Another verse that's not on here is Romans 8, 16, which says, The Spirit, God's Spirit, witnesses with your spirit. So he's there, even witnessing with your spirit. That's how intimate uh, his dwelling place is with us. And I have this other verse, 1 Corinthians 6, 17, because we need to see the basis of our relationship with Christ. It says, He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. So, when we receive the Lord, when we were saved, when we confessed, repented of our sins, and accepted Him for the first time in our lives, we were joined to Him as one spirit. So, even in the deepest part of our being, we actually and literally are one with God. And that's where He dwells. So if we want to spend time with God, we want to see God, where do we need to go? We need to go to our spirit. That's where we need to where we need to dwell. That's where we need to live. Okay, and lastly, uh, just to finish up, God's dwelling place is the church. So yes, He's in us individually, but He's also in us and among us, corporately at the church. Second uh, Timothy three fifteen calls the church of the living God the house of God. So the church is God's house. So again, if we want to enjoy God, serve God, worship God, we need to be in the church. And you know this is in contrast to one of the verses we read in Psalm 84. And I think, uh, I don't know if you caught, caught on to this. I'll, I'll go back to that, actually. It's in verse 10. Listen to this, uh, the second half of verse 10. I would rather stand at the threshold. That's the entrance. That's like the porch. So you're not even in the house. You're just there in front of the door of the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So, yeah, right. This should this should touch us, right? That it it matters where we dwell. We have a choice, day by day, week by week. Uh, I'm sure you get faced with this choice all the time. Do I want to dwell in the courts of God, or at the very least, in the threshold? Maybe I'm not even in. Maybe I'm just you know just outside. But it's much better to be there than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. And what are the tents of the wicked? You know, you know what I mean. You know what what that is. I don't want to get into specific examples, but I, I think you know we're we're all at least have been through some one semester in college. We know what what that is, right? <laughs> but it also includes, I would say. Uh, even being by yourself, being isolated. Uh, one of the best things when I was in college that kept me from dwelling with the tents of the wicked was being with the brothers. Even so much so that I lived with some brothers. That was the best thing. You know, we, you know, I live with I live with Christian brothers. 
you know, that didn't mean we prayed all the time. That didn't mean we, you know, we even read the Bible together. But you know what it did mean? I wasn't with the intent of the wicked. Right, right, man. So even something so simple, uh, like just being with the brothers, the people you get, you have lunch with, the people you spend your Friday nights with, the, the people that you study with. Yeah. Oh, I remember some of my best times in college were just studying with some other Christian brothers. Yeah. Uh, just because I, I knew that the conversation wasn't going to go, you know, left field. It was, it was safe. It was. It was the place where I could rest. I didn't have to hide who I was. Like, I'm with the brothers, you know? It's, it was safe, and it was the place where I could find rest. Okay, so I think I'll just end there. Uh, and maybe we can spend five... Yeah, let's, let's do five minutes. Um, just groups, and take this opportunity just to reflect over some of the speaking and share with one another your enjoyment.